Bienvenidos al desvío. Encountering challenges, making decisions, confronting struggles, and understanding the reasons for different positions are but a part of being engaged in our community's ability to discuss and make advances toward a more inclusive and fair society. However, there is no set formula to achieve these objectives. In an era where so much misinformation thrives, como Latinos, tenemos que estar informados. We must be informed. El desvío, many roads, one destination presents its listeners with 30 minutes of thought-provoking discussions on the relevant issues we face. Bienvenido, mi gente, to El Desvío. Today, we'll be discussing the role voters can play in the upcoming election. Look, it comes as no surprise that Latinos are one of the largest groups in the United States. It is also no surprise that we have faced barriers that make it harder for us to vote, and it is no surprise that our political power has been underestimated for decades. Our guests, Arturo Vargas, Clarissa Martinez, and our very own national president, Yanira Merino, who will shed some light on the collective impact we can have in this critical midterm election. To start off this discussion, let me introduce our audience to Clarissa Martinez. Clarissa is the vice president of the Latino Vote Initiative at Unidos US. Clarissa, thank you for joining us to discuss some of the important work that Unidos has done especially as we get closer to this next election cycle. We know that historically, the Latino turnout has been lower than any other racial and ethnic groups. But we see that that has been changing, and it's on the rise. In 2020, Latinos were the second largest group of voting age Americans. We know that earlier this year, Unidos, together with Mi Familia Vota, released a national poll surveying Latinos on their top priorities when going out to the polls. Can you share with us what were some of those things that you found most important? Absolutely. And talking about the Hispanic electorate, one distinction that is important is that Latinos, once registered to vote, between 80 and 83% of those who are registered to vote, vote in presidential elections. So one of the biggest opportunity gaps in terms of growing the Hispanic electorate is the second largest group of voting age Americans now is to intensify voter registration efforts. This is particularly important because we are a young community. Every year, about a million Latino U.S. citizens turn 18 every year. That means every year we're adding about 1 million people in need of registration to the already close to 12 to 13 million who are eligible but are not yet registered. If your return on voter registration investment is that eight out of 10 are going to vote, I think that's a very sound investment. But one of the problems is that there is very little investment going into voter registration. We know, for example, secretaries of state, their performance evaluation doesn't include that a solid percentage of the people eligible in their states are registered. It's not part of it. How does that make sense? And so that's why, unfortunately, that area of voter registration ends up falling on nonprofit organizations that have to figure out how to do it. That's where the partnership between Unidos and Mipar Media comes in. We are joining forces, the most well-established policy organization, Unidos U.S., with Mi Familia Bota, the Latino organization with the largest field civic engagement operation for Latinos in the country. And so together, we are building not just a partnership for this year, 
but a permanent campaign because that's what's important to close the registration gap. And then obviously in a midterm election, all groups, not just Latinos, we see a decrease in participation. So we are joining forces this year to try to minimize the drop-off. But the good news and the pattern we hope to help continue is that, as you said, in the last two elections, there's always record-breaking Latino participation because our electorate is growing. But for example, in the last midterm election, Latinos participated at near presidential levels. And so we hope to continue that this year. This poll, which is one of the most robust polls of Latino voters out there, it's about 10 to 30 times bigger than most of the polls. It's a way to do a couple of things. One, provide accurate information about Latinos, because every election cycle, we hear all kinds of mistaken assumptions and misconceptions. Number two, we want to lift up the priorities of our community and voters are thinking about them. So that more elected officials, parties, and candidates heed those needs and priorities. And last but not least, we want to make sure that by providing accurate data, we can hopefully incentivize more effective outreach to this community because the other sad thing, which also goes to participation, is that even among highly likely to vote, Hispanic. They report in most election cycles, about 60% of them do not hear outreach from either Republicans or Democrats. We contend with that as well. Let me ask you something. What did you find were the top priorities that actually get Latinos to go out to vote? What at least these are the things that are in their mind when they're thinking about how they're going to vote. Interestingly enough, among the misconceptions about Latino priorities is that it's either all about immigration or not. And the reality is that for Latinos consistently across the decades, jobs and the economy usually rentsled the number one or number two priority consistently. We're seeing that trend continue, but within the top five priorities, we also have seen a seismic shift in some of those top five priorities. And in some ways, it's not surprising. Given the shock of Uvalde, the Roe v. Wade decision on the Supreme Court, we saw, for example, that the issue of abortion for the first time ever reached the top five priorities for Latinos. So it's at number five right now, wait, be before it barely registered in the radar. Gun violence also is in the top five. And there... What Latinos are concerned about, it's not necessarily crime in their neighborhood. The top concern there is the proliferation of guns and the easy access to them and that the Mexican officials need to take more action to stop school shootings. On the issue of abortion, another issue on which there are a lot of misconceptions about Latinos. You hear all the time, well, Latinos are divided on abortion because they are religious. It's not true. And it's not true just now. It wasn't true before the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. Latinos, generally speaking, do not support taking rights away from people. And on this issue, more than 75% of Latinos said, regardless of their personal beliefs, they do not agree with making abortion illegal and taking that decision away, including 75% of Latino Catholics and about 65% of 
of Latino non-Catholic Christmas. So very important that people have accurate information about what these voters are yearning for. Often we hear how divisive this issue is among the Latino community. And as you said, this misconception of Latinos' personal view on abortion outweighs our understanding, taking away the rights that people already have in many instances, speaks to how complex and misunderstood the Latino vote is. How do we galvanize people around that? How do any of our Latino organizations use that information to get turnout rates to improve? One thing we've noticed through our research and focus groups and conversations with the community is that talking about participation to lift up and represent our community better resonates with people. I think that's particularly important these times because Latinos all live in a vacuum. And just like the rest of their fellow American voters, I think there's a healthy dose of skepticism about politicians. When voting becomes just about the politicians, I think it puts people out of the equation and making it about people, about their families, about their community, I think carries a lot of weight because then regardless of who loses or who wins, is about bringing the voice of the community, certainly a las calles, al congreso, pero también a las casillas. What were some of the other misconceptions that the poll was able to surface? Another way in which outreach when there is any to Latinos tends to be ineffective is that people say Latinos only care about immigration. This flip side of that is that when immigration is not on the top five priorities as it isn't this year, then people go to the other extreme. They say Latinos don't care about immigration, so we can do whatever we want or nothing at all and or mistreat immigrants and Latinos don't care. That's not true either. We actually ask people their feelings on immigration. And an overwhelming majority of Latinos said that if there is no action in Congress, they believe that the president needs to take action to protect dreamers, farm workers, essential workers, and immigrants who are deeply rooted in our communities. And the other interesting thing is that inflation is top of mind for this community, right? Jobs and the economy are about that paycheck, about being able to support your families. Right now, immigration inflation is the top concern, followed by jobs and the economy. And here's an important note. In an environment where most people are seeing worker shortages, the Latino community, which has the, the highest labor force participation of any community in the U.S., our workers are concerned about jobs that don't pay enough. They are also concerned about layoffs and getting their hours cut because of the sectors of the economy in which they are in. Even with inflation at the top of the list and wanting to see something done about it, people said, even now, if there's a candidate out there that opposes a path to citizenship for undocumented immigrants, half of Latinos say, I just could not vote for that candidate. The same is true for candidates who are endorsed or supported by white supremacist or white nationalist groups. This information is fascinating. I don't know how we as constituency groups and advocacy groups get that information out to folks that they can hear it. That's always been a challenge. Clarissa, what is the one lesson that organizations such as LACLA and our members can take away from this poll to better engage with their neighborhoods in this upcoming election? 
I think that one of the powerful things about the Hispanic electorate is that no somos ni muy muy ni tanta. What I mean by that is we don't want to be for taking rights away from people. We also are not for extreme. I think that when we are in an environment where people hear very extreme points of view, points of view on the extreme left sometimes get also magnified. I think that turns off people. Latinos, for example, they believe in hard work. They are proud of being a hardworking community. And we also believe that government has an important role to play in ensuring that there's a level playing field where it comes to access to opportunity. In some progressive circles, people believe that if you value hard work, that means you're a conservative. The reality is that most Americans are part of working families. They know that hard work is important, that it's necessary, and they're proud that is their contribution, a way of making a contribution to our economy. I think looking at the muy muy ni tan where it comes to positions, right? For example, on abortion, they may not personally be pro-choice, but they are definitely pro leaving the ad choice up to individuals to make. Um, on gun safety, it's a small minority that thinks that putting guns into the hands of every teacher is actually going to make school safer. They don't believe that. They believe more that it is about school safety procedures, about mental health, and about limiting gun access. When we think in those terms, I think that for anybody who believes in solutions that can actually move us forward together, the Latino vote can be a powerful ally and a powerful stabilizing force in our politics. We like to leave our listeners with a moraleja. What are we learning from all of this? What would you say this moraleja is for the work that you've already done? I think we've seen that if we're talking electorally, I think we have gotten the message loud and clear from our community is that we are not absolving parties and candidates from doing their job. They need to court these voters, but we're not waiting for them either. And so if you look at the record levels of participation in 2018 and 2020 states that surprised people, that's because largely the community organizing itself and anything we can do to be part of that and to support it and to expand it is what we can do. Because let's remember, if we close the registration gap, we could double the number of Latino voters. So let's close the registration gap together. Let's make sure that our voters, many of whom are first-time voters, have the information they need to be able to do joyfully and without intimidation. And if one of the 12 million Latinos out there who are eligible and are not yet registered, register yourself and certainly help others. And you could even go to becomeavoter.org and help people start the process online. Clarissa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing this information with us. Now let me introduce all of you to Arturo Vargas, the CEO of the National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Officials Education Fund. Bienvenidos, Arturo, to El Desvío. Let me start with the 2020 presidential election, where we saw that the Latino vote was key in states such as Arizona and Nevada. And we saw that the Latino vote is what decided several elections. As we approach the upcoming midterms, 
Latinos, again, are projected to be the determining group in many states like Texas and Florida. In Arizona, yet, Latinos continue to have the lowest registration and voting rates when compared to other racial and ethnic minorities. From your expertise, Arturo, what are the main factors driving the low turnout rate for Latinos? Thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation. And I would add that Latinos have been absolutely impactful, not just in the 2020 election, but in virtually every election since the past 20 years. And I think it's too easily overlooked how impactful Latino voters are. And just imagine if we realized our full potential. There are estimated to be as many as some 32 million Latinos, U.S. citizen adults, meaning eligible to vote. And yet in this election cycle in 2022, Naleo Educational Fund projects that 11.6 million Latinos will vote, which mirrors more or less the number of Latinos who voted in the historic election of 2018. We've been doing quite a bit of research and trying to figure out how do we make the Latino electorate one of the most likely to vote segments of U.S. voters. And what we've learned is that it is very challenging and requires a lot of work and resources to motivate individuals who have lost faith in the political system and to convince them the importance of their single vote. That is exactly what we're dealing with when we look at the bucket of Latinos who aren't even registered to vote and rarely or never vote. We've held focus groups. We've done research and consistently what we hear is that candidates either ignore the issues that we care about as Latinos, or they assume we only care about a particular issue and don't talk about the issues that truly are important to us, or they only show up every two or four years and we never hear from them again, or they make promises and they never deliver. For many of these Latinos, they have just lost faith in the political system and trying to inculcate that new sense of trust and faith in the political system really takes a lot of work. After the 2020 census, many voting districts changed to match and reflect the updated information on the U.S. population. We know that redistricting and the process of drawing those lines of districts has historically been used to diminish the significance of voters of color's votes. Could you explain what the redistricting is and how it impacts how many Latinos come out to vote or the weight of their vote in this coming election? Absolutely. First, let me talk a little bit about the 2020 census. The census is held every 10 years, and it's the cornerstone of our democracy. The reason there is a headcount conducted every 10 years is so that the U.S. House of Representatives could be reapportioned to the 50 states according to how many people live in each of those states. What tragically happened in the 2020 census was that we had one of the largest undercounts of Latinos in 30 years. The last time we had a 5% undercount of Latinos was in 1990. But consider the magnitude. In 1990, there were 27 million Latinos in the United States. Today, there are 63. So the amount of error in the data that had been used for redistricting in and of itself already has limited the electoral opportunities for Latinos simply because the numbers are so flawed. When we looked at the apportionment of the House after the 2020 census, we knew something was wrong. We said publicly, we smell smoke in the fact that Texas only picked up two congressional seats. Florida only picked up one and Arizona did not pick up any. And these were states that were projected to pick up many more districts at the expense of other states that didn't grow as fast. And what do Arizona, Florida, and Texas have in common? The biggest segment of their population growth over the past 10 years was among Latinos. And so when you consider the extent of the undercount, it now makes sense why Arizona didn't get another congressional seat or 
Texas didn't get three or Florida didn't get two. Nothing we could do about that now. That's water that's gone under the bridge. But those numbers were also used to redraw congressional districts and state legislative districts, and in some cases, city council districts and school board districts. And so these districts to begin with are being drawn without taking into account the true number of Latinos who live in these communities. Add to that the fact that when these districts were drawn beginning in 2021 and 2022 by state legislatures, and in some cases, even by commissions, they were purposefully drawn in some states to deny Latinos their full opportunity to elect candidates of choice. And let me give you some examples. Texas already is being sued because of the way the congressional districts were drawn did not reflect the increase of the Latino population in which those two additional districts, not one of them, has a Latino majority. And that was done by the legislature. Florida, similar situation, but here it's because the governor pushed forward a partisan plan to benefit his political party at the expense of Latinos and African-Americans in that state. But then we look at the work of some commissions. We turn to Colorado, for example, that picked up a congressional district as well. And that new district came to Colorado in large measure because of the increase of Latino population. But that new district was not drawn in any way to give Latinos even an influence in the outcome of an election. Let's look at New York had a commission set up to draw the districts. Now, this commission really failed at its task. It couldn't come up with a plan. It proposed two plans. He submitted it to the legislature. The legislature rejected the plans, drew their own plans. They were sued, and a federal judge or a state judge declared that the legislature's plans violated the state constitution, and he had a special master, a redistricting expert, draw the lines himself, and they were drawn in a way that did not, again, reflect the growth of the Latino population in the state of New York, especially in the state legislative districts. Compound injury to insult, the numbers used for apportionment and redistricting did not take into account the full size of the Latino population, then you had state legislatures and in some cases even commissions drawing districts in ways that intentionally, in some examples, undermine the ability of Latinos to elect candidates of their choice. So this is going to be a very interesting election to see how at the district level, Latinos are able to have an impact in some of these states where they have been undermined by discriminatory redistricting practices. This almost seems like a feedback loop where we have Latinos not see the impact of their voting and then feel discouraged to continue to vote. There is an element here of a vicious cycle. If you vote and then nothing changes in your life after you've been told this is the most important election in our lifetime, this is the time you have to vote because if you don't vote, then your life is going to be terrible. And so people turned out to vote and then their lives don't change. There needs to be some accountability as well in terms of elections and people are being elected. At this point in the election cycle, what should political organizations do to better engage the Latino voters? And can we do this without objectifying our community? At Nalo Educational Fund, we're going to repeat something we've done for the past four election cycles, and that's to hold a tracking poll of Latino registered voters. Beginning in a week, we're going to poll 400 Latino registered voters from throughout the country. Every week after that, up until Election Day, we will add 200 more Latino registered voters. This survey is designed to measure 
Latino interests and what policy issues are important to them and to see if things change over the course of the next nine weeks or if there is some consistency in what Latinos are thinking about as they're contemplating who they're going to vote for in this election. We're also asking them for their preferences. What we want is we want candidates and campaigns to actually take into account what is important to Latinos in this election cycle. We have a sense of what Latinos are thinking about based on a poll we conducted prior to the primary here in Los Angeles. And this was focused on the mayor's race. The results in some ways were surprising because what Latinos said was the most important issue to them was inflation and the economy. Then the cost of housing in LA, the increase of crime and just the rising homelessness, the rate of unhoused people who live in LA on our streets, in our parks is particularly distressing to all Angelinos and especially to Latinos based on this poll. What Latinos are saying is what's important to them in this election is their quality of life. As we look at this national poll, I expect there to be some patterns here that will resemble what Latinos in LA are thinking. Keep in mind, Los Angeles is a deep blue city. And if in Los Angeles, Latino voters are saying, what I'm concerned about is inflation, cost of living, cost of housing, crime, Homelessness, we'll probably hear some of that across the country as well. Too often what happens is that candidates, campaigns, even organizations sometimes assume they know what's important to Latin. And in this poll we did, for example, we did ask reform about issues important to immigrants and issues regarding immigration. And too often, and this has happened at our national conferences, candidates will come in and speak to our constituency. And all they want to talk about would be immigration reform, Dreamers, DACA, uh, Pact of Citizenship, all of which are very important. But the fact is, when you ask Latino voters what are their priorities, they're thinking of something very different. They're thinking about their issues from their wallet, about their quality of life, how safe their neighborhoods are. And I think candidates and campaigns and political parties make a mistake if they don't really delve into what is actually on the minds of Latino voters. What can LACLA nationally and our members locally do to improve the Latino turnout in the upcoming election? Outreach, outreach, outreach. We need LACA members to do what political campaigns and parties often don't do. Go and engage those Latinos who aren't yet registered to vote and who are low propensity voters because the candidates' campaigns, they're going to spend all their money focusing on the likeliest of voters, on the low-hanging fruit, and they ignore the massive amount of fruit at the top of the tree. And that's what we need to do. We need to climb that ladder to the top of that tree and reach the fruit that is untouched by candidates and campaigns and engage Latinos to register to vote and to turn out to vote. One of the things that we do know about the Latino electorate, if Latinos are registered to vote, their turnout rates pretty much resemble those of non-Hispanic whites and African-Americans. So the real challenge is getting Latinos registered. And that's why the Educational Fund is a member of the steering committee of National Voter Registration Day, which will be held September 20th. It's a civic holiday, and we're going to do all we can in partnership with our media partner, Telemundo, to do a massive campaign throughout the country so that people can call our hotline at 888-VET-E-VOTA and get information on what are the voter registration requirements in your state, what is the process for registering to vote in your jurisdiction, and how can you go about doing that? We're going to be available to people to answer those questions in English and Spanish every single day, Monday through Friday, between now and Election Day. And we need LACLA members to disseminate that information as well. Bueno, Arturo, thank you so much for taking all your time to sit with us today. 
And now let me take this opportunity to introduce our national president, Yanina Merino. Welcome, Yanida. Let's talk about elections. Why should the labor movement prioritize mobilizing workers? The labor movement represents, at this point, more than 12 million workers. Workers have the unique understanding of how policies can affect their wages, benefits, health care. We do. Those 12 million, because we have collective bargaining agreements, and somehow we understand that makes the difference, no? And you see it because historically everybody see it diciendo that it was the unions that built the middle class. Because of that aspect, you had to maintain that. The labor movement also knows that is a way to build power for the workers and for the working class. But it's also a way to reach out to other sectors in the country. They are part of the economy. No, they move this country forward. And for that, the AFL knows it's not only talking about what is bread and butter issues that will mobilize people, but it's talking about a whole host of issues that affect every single worker, their family, and their community. And that's why it's important. We've heard from Latin members that much too often within their own union, the Latino focus is not there with prioritizing what the establishment sees as getting folks to get to vote, the reasons why. Do you find that's changing or do you find that's still prepping? And what do we share with our members about how they can be proactive if they find that their voice is not embedded in the work leading to election? It's getting better. I think that the labor movement is trying to reach out in different ways. It has been a challenge for unions with a new workforce coming and the demographics speaking that in the different sectors of the economy, you find that now more immigrants with different languages and background. And that is a challenge for an institution. I think that coming into understanding that's happening in our demographics and the workforce are taking many of them by surprise. Some of them don't like it. Some of them don't know what to do. And this, all of these come together and it gives you the results that for many of us, many Latinos, we feel we're not, we, our union doesn't do much to reach out to us. And so as Latinos in the labor movement, as leaders, we have to continue raising those issues. And that's why I'm saying it's getting better because we've seen Latinos doing this work and over again, working with their unions and saying, hey, we have to do the message in Spanish. Hey, we have to reach out to community organizations. More political directors are now Latinos and women. So the message is now, okay, we have to think what's the impact. But the reality is in the general public in the U.S., that's also true. People of color and people of color that are poor are not being reached out, not only by union, but political parties and community organizations, because it requires a lot of resources. Once again, it's getting better. And the numbers are there. I believe by 2045, we're going to be 45% of voting population. Those realities are forcing themselves. And it's pushing us, including unions, to take a different pers uh, perspective of it. But it takes a lot of ours raising our voices to say, we need to do it. It needs to be done. What can we do is continue pushing, continue mobilizing, continue talking with Latinos and Latinas, Latinx, that it is a responsibility but it, it, and it is a privilege. But it's something that you have to not only read it, you have to act. We know that the labor movement has been known to utilize its organizing power around the election, such as the upcoming 2020 midterms. 
How can the labor movement uniquely impact turnout of voters? It's by sending the message that this has a direct effect on us as workers. One, because it's true, the minimum wage, salaries, wages, benefits, everything are being decided by those who we bought in. The, the labor movement can very uniquely speak to the issues that are concerned and the political organizations are not necessarily will be speaking about worker issues. They speak about ideology, they will speak about political path and all that. And I say that they don't do it and say that not necessarily they will do it. But for the labor movement, it is clear the priority is workers first agenda. We say it, we live it. We practice that. And so that's why it's very unique. The ways that you're doing is by contacting the workers and their home. Let's say you are the only person to work in your house, or you're the only person who worked that is a union member. But in your house, you have your wife, your sister, your nephews, and your children. Then as a union member and the message that your union gave you, you bring it at home and you talk about issues. That's why the labor movement is very uniquely positioned to do that work. What would you say to our members about the importance of the upcoming election? I believe that every single election is important. Close to over 35% of Latino young workers don't have insurance. That tells you a lot. Because we know what it means when you get sick. It is every single election is important. But because of what we saw with the last president that we have, how he came to attack us, how he attacked workers, we know that we must mobilize our community, that we must educate our community for them to understand that their vote is, is essential to continue moving an agenda that is important for workers but also to keep a democracy in this country, real democracy, democracy for the participations of everybody, not just those that have more money or one race against the other one, but those who are here in this country contributing and Latinos contribute every single day in this country, economically, socially, culturally, and in many other ways. Thank you, Yanira. You said it best. Get out and vote if you want to ensure a real democracy for all people. So que nuestra moraneja. No espere que lo haga otro. Don't wait for someone else to do it. You must get out to vote and make your voices heard. Somos mucho. And collectively, we have the power to determine the direction this country takes for its workers, for its people, for our communities. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to El Desvío. Many roads, one destination. Our podcast explores the many ways that we activists and trade unionists try to get to the destination of social and economic justice. Lachla's El Desvio podcast is a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, the voice of working people. To learn more about issues that affect workers, visit laborradionetwork.org. This podcast was made possible by the support of the AFL-CIO and the Si Podemos Fund, Lachla's national C4 organization.